You're listening to Program to Chill, a show about business, crime, parapolitics, and esoterica with your host, Jimmy Fallon Gong. Cool. All right. Well, let's get started then. All right. So I'm here with the Trillbillies who need no introduction. If uh, any of my audience isn't listening to the Trillbillies, why I obviously highly recommend it. <laughs> um, and let's just get into it. So I have a list of interesting, spooky things I found about Kentucky. Esoteric topics, you might Good. say. It's, so a, let, it's mm-hmm. a spooky-ass place. I mean, its name is highly disputed. If it is true what they say about its name, then it would translate to, what, blood on the ground? Is Dark and bloody say? ground. Dark and bloody ground? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If that's truly what it translates to, that's pretty fucked up. It's a pretty dark <laughs> history. So I found some information on this. I guess the current etymological understanding is that Kentucky does not mean dark and bloody ground. Okay. Well, that's comforting S- to know. <laughs> supposedly, like it's an Indian word, or there's a couple theories about it meaning meadow or prairie or our land. Oh, but, God. but... What is sure is that the European settlers thought that Kentucky meant dark and bloody ground. And honestly, <laughs> all that meadow talk, that's too pussy for us. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It's um, regardless of whether that's what it translates to or not. All that really matters is that the, that's what the settlers believed. And um, yeah, that's uh, pretty, pretty dark. I found a uh, book here from 1784 entitled The Discovery, Settlement, and Present State of Kentucky, where, you know, they list out this whole meaning of Kentucky as dark and bloody ground. Uh And that sort of went hand in hand with the theory that they had, the European settlers had, that Native Americans didn't even live in Kentucky because it was haunted. I'd heard that. I'd heard that uh, they would use it as a just as a hunting ground. This is what we were taught in schools. This is, and obviously, we know this is probably just to like tiptoe around issues of colonization and later on slavery. Mm-hmm. But I'd always heard in school that like they just would hunt here, and there were all these like sort of um, superstitious things they would do when they would hunt here because they were afraid of ghosts and stuff. Apparently, I don't know if if any of that is true but that's what that's what they were telling us in in the official story in schools i don't understand like if that's what you believed why why would you want to live here why would you want to live in a haunted land you know i mean like it's probably not true i mean because you know like getting like the adena and i think for ancient cultures lived in at least northern and northeast kentucky um, but I guess once you get down to the mountains where we're at, um, I guess the, the record gets a little murkier. Um, I'd heard yeah. Iroquois and at one point Cherokee, but I don't know if any of that's, I don't know what's true and what's not. And I know like shot, there was Shawnee in Northern Kentucky, maybe, but right, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just wild that if that's what you believe, <laughs> why would you want to live on haunted ground? No. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me get your guys' take on this because I have a theory because I can't speak that intelligibly about like what the Native Americans were actually up to, but my theory is that they were not 
into the spooky ghost shit. Like my theory is that the Europeans brought some of this stuff. And here's one more piece of evidence. Do you guys, maybe you've, maybe, you know, the first proposed name for Kentucky. I don't know. Transylvania. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Yeah. Transylvania University is not far from where I live now. That yeah. is also another spooky tidbit about Transylvania University. They had a former chancellor and graduate by the name of Jefferson Davis. Perhaps you heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, shit, maybe I'm getting my wires crossed somewhere, but I thought there was a Transylvania tie with the bluegrass conspiracy, which you had marked down it wasn't like a, a big one but like someone who worked there was like high up in the yeah i don't know i'm probably getting my wire i believe right. so i think it, basically Transylvania university the Transylvania, yeah. yeah yeah basically my theory i think is that like regardless of what the native americans were up to which you know we might not be able to tell at least in terms of kentucky <laughs> the european settlers were onto some magic stuff some witchcraft totally well, if you go to Transylvania University today, Salem Street intersects it. And it's funny because they've really leaned into like this sort of uh, like uh, there's even like an Airbnb called the Witch's Cottage on that street. <laughs> but <laughs> but which is creepy in itself for different reasons. But uh, if you get like they've like totally rebranded the university to lean into the spooky stuff, like their mascot is the pioneers, but like their mascot's just bats <laughs> dude what? so they're like really getting into the spooky stuff of course there's like all like little lore about like you know which building is haunted because it's been there since i guess the 1700s i think it was like this may not be correct but i think it is correct i think it's the oldest school um settled west of the mississippi and there's one other movie out there that separates it from like the like the R's and yells and stuff, mm-hmm. but like it's very old, super old. That one in yeah. Center College. Center College is also extremely old. Yeah, Center's old too. Yeah, Center's got Center's a place if like you're into like ghost hunting and shit, always pops up on like those lists of most haunted places in the state. Right, and there was a. I remember they had a vice presidential debate. Who, who, who was Romney's running mate? Was it Paul Ryan? Paul Ryan debated Biden there. At Center College, so. yeah, in 2012, which is so That's weird awesome. to me. Yeah. <laughs> now I know you guys were talking recently about the mounds. I know. I think Terrence, you said you went and saw some mounds, right? I did. I saw the. Um, I went and saw Serpent Mound in Ohio. Um, Serpent Mound's pretty awesome. Um, part of it, so. What part of what makes Serpent Mound so wild is that it's built on the rim of an of an old crater. Basically, a massive asteroid hit that area like 250 million years ago, which really makes you wonder: like, did the native, did the natives that built it know that it was a, you know, the rim of a crater? If not, it would be a crazy coincidence. But surely they had to have known something because the purpose of service serpent man they think there's many different purposes but they think one of it was to track lunar observations um there's no written astronomical charts in 
either the Adena or the Ford ancient cultures that built that they think might have built it, but they think that Serpent Mound itself may have been their way to track it. And, you know, Serpent Mound is uh, on one end, it's, it's like over a hundred feet long, but on one end, it's got the coiled tail and then it kind of winds around and then it's got the head and it looks like the head is eating an egg, but they're not sure what, but the open mouth aligns, um, perfectly with the sun on the summer solstice so right when the sun comes up on the summer solstice it aligns with the mouth on the serpent mound um but uh but yeah no i mean there's other mounds too there's one i want to go check out called alligator mound alligator effigy mound in ohio they when they named it they thought it was an alligator but now they think it was an underwater panther because underwater panther was a big deity in in those cultures um but the mounds are pretty crazy. Uh, uh, I have been to the mound outside of Moundsville, Ohio. I think Tom was with me. Moundsville, Ohio is a Super very spooky place. Is, wait, is Mount <laughs> Snow? Speak no. on that. Yeah, yeah Mounds... why is it spooky? So, so there's a few reasons. Moundsville, is it in Ohio or West Virginia? It's West Virginia. Ohio. It's on the West okay. Virginia side of like, you know, the middle finger. It's like, yeah, yeah. PA, Ohio, West, yeah. Moundsville, West Virginia is crazy for a few reasons. One of which does a Hare Krishna temple there, which is pretty interesting in and of itself like this tiny town with like ten thousand people in it there's a hard palace of gold on top of the mountain <laughs> um with that like pretty... the animatronic guy that's their like leader or whatever in there yeah it's pretty wild but then there's also the moundsville state prison which is you know like a big haunted um building you can go into it and i actually did go into it with a friend i was with a friend and we walked in and right as you walk in, there's like an old lady sitting at a desk. Um, I don't know. I guess she's like the tour guide or something. And on the left, they have like a dummy strapped into the uh, electric chair. Oh, jeez. And, um, and my friend Hans that I was with looked at the old lady and he was like, are there actual prisoners here? And she was like, no. <laughs> No you, may, you may imagine hauled off to a place and you walk and the first thing you see in the lobby is like a dummy in an electric chair. <laughs> but um, but if I can, if I remember correctly, it's been a while. It's been almost like eight years now, but you can see the mound from the Moundsville State Prison, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it's it's like right outside of it. So it's uh, but yeah, it's a big haunted uh, building, they say. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like the mounds clearly had like this, you know, astronomical use. And, you know, from what we can read about Native American cultures, they were so much more advanced than like maybe I was, for instance, I was taught in school, right? Yeah. <clears throat> well, they think that, um, so there are other earthworks in central Ohio, you know, pretty close to like Columbus and Chillicothe. Mm -hmm. um there's one in particular i can't remember the name of it but it is uh you know they've been able to determine that it, it has an even um more accurate understanding of lunar observations than even stonehenge but they're not sure that's what stonehenge was even used for right like stonehenge is a big debate like they don't they <laughs> up for, up for debate yeah. <laughs> yeah. although totally i did real, i did learn recently um Someone had posted this online. I can't remember who, but like the modern Stonehenge we know of now was like assembled in the early 1900s. Like it's not well, even that, the original. That might have been me posting or yeah, me it might have been you. one of my buddies. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> my, was one. one of my buddies has got me to become a Stonehenge truther. <laughs> 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 just because it's like quasi-modern construction, you know, all that uh-huh. stuff. Well, I was just going to add to like, you know, the Native American thing. I don't know if y'all have been to Tecumseh's, uh, I don't know if it's his birth site or his burial site in Xenia, Ohio. Not it's crazy. Like he, mm-hmm. he was the Shawnee chief. And I guess what had happened was there's some sort of like natural thing. That's like, you know, like an attraction that's, that's like, you know, kind of a tourist thing they use now, but I guess the original Shawnee word for the town had was like demon wind or something like that. Not mm-hmm. Xenia, obviously, but whatever it was all before that. that. Um, but they have like these crazy tornadoes like every couple of years that just absolutely like wrecks the town. Yeah. And uh I don't know, it's just fascinating. But like like my favorite feature of the town is there was a grocery store called Grocery Land that uh a tornado kind of wrecked and knocked the the D off the sign. So instead of just your D, they rebranded as Grocery Land, and uh, <laughs> which I think is like you know that you just play it where it lays in life. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, the uh, I'm not actually so the mounds that I've seen are in Ohio and West Virginia. I, I'm not actually sure if there are a lot in Kentucky. Do you know, Tom? Are there? earthwork mounds in kentucky there are mounds i've just not i can't recall them off the top of my head because for whatever reason i've just never been super interested in that until recently and i i I should know better Uh, i know i know of one place which i was gonna ask you guys about do you guys have you ever been to ashland kentucky oh yeah yeah, definitely i guess they have mounds there hmm that would make sense ashland is right on the border um of Ohio, like right across the river. It's like Portsmouth, Ohio, basically mm-hmm. um, was a big oil town back in the day. And uh, I mean, you still, you drive through there at night. It's like Mordor. There's like all these oil refineries on the river and it just looks insane. But uh, which I was going to ask you guys what Ashland is like, because I've never been to Ashland, but from what I've been reading, it sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Boyd County ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> with you. I've had some times there, but uh, yeah, it's, I guess it is kind of, uh, it is kind of spooky. I used to know more about it. Cause I had a lot of friends from there, but uh, well, not, not only is it a big oil town, the thing about Ashland that makes it so, I don't really know what other word to use other than like CD, but the thing about it that makes it so seedy is that it is it, it, it's like a crossroads mm. from you know between not just oil but steel and coal and there's a big railway depot there so like all the coal coming out of eastern kentucky has to go through ashland did i say Asheville? You know, i meant to say ashland, ashland yeah. funny, um, funny you should say crossroads right because that's always like a very potent occult thing yeah right right yeah. Yeah, Robert Johnson selling the soul. <laughs> Clarksdale, yeah. So here's some Ashland facts for you. Not, you know, you guys probably know a lot of them, but you guys have heard of the Ashland Massacre? I have not. I'm not either. This, I, believe, I believe it. I will say this for you. <laughs> I believe it. So the Ashland Massacre apparently made national news back in 1881. It was the axe murder 
of three teenagers on Christmas Eve. Oh, shit. And they caught the guys, and I think they were put on trial, and then they lynched. were found guilty, then they lynched. They were going to kill them anyway, I'm not really sure. You know, whatever. And I can't figure out why the teenagers were murdered. I mean, they caught the guys, they know who did it, but I don't know what was going on. I had never heard of that ever. I guess they have like a couple murder ballads about it. Um, But I mean, I don't know what was up with that. Yeah, there's a medium post I just found. The Ashland tragedy proves evil is nothing new. Certainly isn't. Um, Yeah. uh, There's also, so there's a lot of industry ties to Ashland. Yeah. As a crossroad. Um listeners of your show uh will be very familiar with gary webb mm-hmm. um who wrote the uh dark alliance series about wait he was from ashland he was he was not from ashland but one of his very first pieces uh, that he wrote was something called the coal connection um it was a lot it was a he used to write for the um cincinnati paper wasn't it it was a, it was He's like a northern Kentucky guy. Yeah, remember. he lived in Covington for a while. It was like Newport, I think, yeah. Kentucky. Was yeah, paper. yeah, he, yeah. He went to NKU for in college. I remember that. Yeah, so that he, makes sense. One of his first, yeah, one of the first pieces he wrote was this, like, investigative piece called "The Coal Connection," and it was uh, about how a lot of these m- mafia, you know, mob groups had set up coal companies as front like money laundering out outfits mm-hmm. in the late 70s because there was a huge coal boom in the 70s after the like 1970s yeah in the 1970s like after the opec oil crisis you know and, uh-huh. and so there was a huge oil, uh, coal boom and so it was for a brief time these mob outfits were using coal companies to like launder money through basically yeah didn't they like give coal companies some weird tax breaks that they were exploiting or something yeah yeah they it, it was it was them trying to basically you know stimulate uh more coal production uh because they couldn't import oil um but a lot of those connections that he drew drew i guess it, you know he, he not visually but that he wrote about a lot of them did go back to ashland and weirdly enough i've tried to track this down for years have not really been able to figure it out. There's a mysterious backer of our current congressman, Hal Rogers. He had a oil company in Ashland basically give him the seed money for his first congressional campaign in the That is right. Yeah. Interesting. And I've I've tried to figure out, like, you know, scoured through newspapers trying to figure out who who what the significance of this company is, like what they're political ties are like you know who runs them but they don't exist anymore and so that i think that they got merged with somebody or something mm-hmm. <clears throat> um so yeah like any 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 like um yeah any any like underground uh activity drug activity or um capital will eventually be traced back to ashland at some point <laughs> i feel like interesting because <laughs> I was finding all of these spooky things with Ashland, but I didn't know like the economic base reason for that. Yeah. That's exactly it. Oh yeah. This yeah. is why, this is why we get the trillabillies on. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's good to know that there's, 
it's not good, not comforting in any way, but it does paint a fuller picture that there is some other forces at work here uh, that sort of supplement the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the base. There's some superstructural or metaphysical forces. When you, when you said there's a, there's a mysterious backer, I thought you were going to say a mysterious backer of the Patreon at first. I was like, <laughs> there's a few of those. <laughs> now here's another weird Ashland thing. Okay. So apparently like according to all official records, Charles Manson was born in Cincinnati. However, it is likely that he was possibly born in Ashland and he was raised for several years in Ashland. Oh, yeah, I knew I knew that. There's um I didn't know that. Huntington, West Virginia, also, which is across the, the the bridge from Ashland, also claims him. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'd heard, I'd heard that he, that he, maybe he was raised kind of that Newport Covington area, like on the river. Yeah. It's, it seems his family was from the region. So I guess maybe a place is credibly claim, you know, have him a couple of years, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) for what that's worth. But here's another thing though, in Ashland in May 1969, just like two or three months before all of the Manson family murders, there was a murder that happened in Ashland. And the guy that got murdered was Darwin Scott, the brother of Charles Manson's father. Oh, fuck. And well, yeah, Sorry, and they, they never solved it. They don't know who killed this guy. And some people think that possibly Charles Manson or one of his followers might have killed his uncle. So, like, when did he, when was the murder? The murder was in May 1969, and all the murders I think started in California started popping off for around July, I think. Right, right. So it, it might have been like a a, a warm up to what was to come. Right, and for lack of a better like term. Charles Manson's dad was this shadowy guy named colonel scott not last name that was his last name scott right and he was just known as the colonel and people don't know very much about him this this is interesting listen listen to this i found this in the daily independent newspaper in late 1969 serial killer charlie manson's uncle darwin scotty morell scott was stabbed 19 times in the heart with the kitchen knife at his 612 pollard road apartment When the newspaper heralded the 64-year-old victim's brother, Colonel Scott, was the biological father of Manson, Ashlanders started thinking back to the days of the crime. They had seen a hippie riding a motorcycle in the neighborhood before the hacking. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, Manson, and his band of followers, police boxed up fingerprint evidence and mailed it off to the LAPD. He was eventually cleared, while most of the Manson girl followers of the family were already jailed. Ah, That's pretty fucking crazy. That is pretty wild. I Weird know. coincidence, if nothing else. But yeah, that's man. What it is weird. Like you're getting ready to do this murder spree, and like your uncle just gets hacked to death in a town where that probably isn't super common. At least, yeah. You know, that's, well, and that's not the same that type of murder, anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's the same way that Sharon Tate and them were murdered as well. I mean, the the co- the coincidences. Yeah. Jesus. And then. By all likelihood, the LAPD just didn't go with it. Right. No need to start digging up the past. The past <laughs> being like a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's focus on this, not this hillbilly out here. 
Now, I'm not just bringing up like Kentucky crimes just to, you know, obviously there's poverty and there's, you know, economic based reasons for crime happening. But I did want to point out, and you guys would know this as well, that uh, the all types of government programs like to prey upon poor people. Uh And that includes MKUltra. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, I've not read any much about the Manson um, thing, but because mostly because I don't know what to trust, you know, like the Tom O'Neill book. I've heard like, uh, you know, what do I trust on this, Jimmy? What's uh, who who can be trusted on this? (laughs) The uh, the chaos book is worth reading. I would not dissuade anyone from reading it if they wanted to learn more about it. Okay. Yeah, I'm reading there, it right now. Yeah, there are issues um, with a couple things, but it would sound like quibbling to most like normal people. Right, right. So, the uninitiated. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I wanted to run a couple things past you guys <clears throat> relating to LSD. Okay. And Kentucky. Okay. Okay. So right off the bat here, the first LSD guru in the country. He was known as the Johnny Appleseed of LSD. Uh-huh. He's also known as Cappy or Captain Trips. His name was Captain Alfred M. Hubbard. <clears throat> he was an OSS agent, which was, you know, the agency before the CIA. And he later in life became a uranium entrepreneur. But for most of his career, he was traveling all over, giving everyone LSD. Uh-huh. He, he was from Kentucky. That's interesting. I hadn't heard of, about him. I have heard uh, Augustus Owsley Stanley, the Grateful Dead roadie, whose great granddad was the governor. Of, his granddad was the governor of Kentucky, and his great great granddad was also the governor of Kentucky. Yeah, that's right. And of course, he was spreading, you know, Sandoz <laughs> LSD all down in, like the Bay Area and everything. In a historical uh, oddity, irony. The poorest county in Kentucky and in the nation, in the the nation nation is Owsley County named after him, not after Augustus Owsley, uh, but the governor. But his family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not really sure what it means, but the two preeminent uh, LSD gurus (laughs) are both from Kentucky. (laughs) Well, it is dark and bloody ground, apparently. Right. Now, let me tell you guys. Um, or let me ask you guys, I should say. So, or let me just state Augustus Owsley Stanley III. Like you said, he was the sound man for the Grateful Dead. He invented the wall of sound thing, like that whole mm-hmm. stereo innovations. And he was the largest wholesale manufacturer of LSD in the country. And the feds once described him as the Henry Ford of LSD. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he kept... A hit of acid at $2 a hit for like decades straight, which is like classic <laughs> business expansionist tactics, right? Right, right. Even after it did, probably didn't make financial sense. It was just is a volume business at that point. Pretty much. And yeah. so let me tell you guys. So he, he's from that political family. His dad was a government attorney. His grandfather, governor of Kentucky, that same grandfather was also in Congress. Like, let me ask you guys. What's the likelihood that this guy was do was spreading LSD without any like cover whatsoever? 
or like does that sound realistic to you well to me it's like i mean theoretically i guess you could just be a rich kid and be doing it you know what i mean but like with those sorts of governmental ties i mean it you know it's interesting to investigate that raises some questions at least yeah for sure i think that um I don't think it's unreasonable at all to ask. I think it makes, it would actually make a lot of sense. Um, Kentucky is a weird playground for the elite. Um, mostly because like the central part of the state is like a paradise mm-hmm. and it's where, you know, horse racing is and horse racing is one of the hobbies, one of the, you know, most lucrative hobbies of this country's elite. And, um, and so, you know, I could easily see, I mean, a lot of meetings and other things, you know, happen around that time and place, the Derby and other, uh, you know, horse farms out in the fucking country in the middle of nowhere. You're not anywhere close to like D.C. The largest the nation's largest gold reserve is in Kentucky, isn't it? it Fort um, Knox, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fort Knox, right? Fort Knox. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's a perfect like distance from D.C. Um and from Northern Virginia without have to, having to be in the social world of those places. So yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. But before we get too far away from the acid thing, I mean, if you also uh, related to uh, Augustus Asley Stanley's uh, family connections and also that whole sort of uh, scene in Berkeley and all that, that sort of thing. Uh the Mary Pranksters, Ken Casey's Mary Pranksters had yeah, not one, not two, but three prominent Kentucky authors among the ranks of the Mary Pranksters that participated to varying degrees. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Gurney Norman, um, Ed McClanahan, and uh, I don't think he was necessarily Mary Prankster, but he was at, he was a Stegner fellow at Stanford at the same time, but Wendell Berry, who's like the famous agrarian. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Now. They were all Stegner fellows, which is pretty, you know, pretty sus, you know, it's, I don't know. There's something. And yeah, I mean, I, I think when you bring in, you know, both Ashland and then all of the blue bloods, I think all of these weird Kentucky things start to come into focus a little bit. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to bring up, still in the LSD vein, but I wanted to read a little snippet here for you from a couple books about LSD being experimented on in Kentucky, if I may. Yeah, please. In other words, the agency, the CIA, needed a much larger base of test subjects than was available to them within the agency's own personal pool. They began by farming the drug out to hospitals. For instance, Dr. Abramson at Mount Sinai in New York and to prisons such as Dr. Harris Isbell's program at the Addiction Research Center in Lexington, Kentucky. Isbell's operation was part of the federal penitentiary system and although his subjects were referred to as patients, they were in reality inmates of the prison system. So here we have basically in Lexington, in Lexington, Kentucky, in like the 50s, they were basically making inmates take LSD. Jesus Christ. Um, in like the worst conditions you can imagine, right? Like, right, right. Not like you're listening to nice music in your home or something. Like you're in <laughs> prison, strapped to a chair. 
Yeah. I mean, the, the conditions for a bad time, bad vibes. Absolutely. Where was this at in Lexington? It was the, let me see here, the Addiction Research Center at Lexington, Kentucky. With yeah, that's right. Because like that. isn't that where, yeah, they would send, so like people that would go to like Vietnam that were like maybe hooked on heroin or something, they would send them to this place to get clean. Is that right? It was that like, it was like the VA was related somehow. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe that, I believe it's like both a, like, yeah, like a prison, but also a hospital. It's one it, of those. Yeah, things. because I, what I heard was that like people that were so poor in Eastern Kentucky, they would actually like shoot some dope or something and go feign like a heroin addiction so they could actually get Medicare at this place when they got back from Vietnam. Good Lord. Or maybe maybe it was an earlier war. I don't I don't know. If the, um, uh, there is a weird sort of synchronicity there, like or a um sort of center or uh, cycle. Because, you know, there's no other geographical or um, ecological area in the United States that's even remotely comparable to Southeast Asia. And so to train, um, you know, Marines and the people that would eventually become like LERPs in Vietnam, they would send them to East Kentucky, like, you know, drop them down in the mountains here because it's, you know, it's basically like a a rainforest, but it's not nearly as dangerous and everything. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just an interesting uh, sort of cycle there. You drop them in Kentucky to train them here. Then they get hooked on heroin in Vietnam, bring them back here, you know, test, use them as test subjects. I don't know. That's yeah. right. And then I found another one <clears throat> here in Lexington or there in Lexington, I should say. And I, I'll read this little quote here. It says, like the Nazi doc." Like the Nazi doctors at Dachau, the CIA victimized certain groups of people who were unable to resist. Prisoners, mental patients, foreigners, the terminally ill, sexual deviants, ethnic minorities. One project took place at the Addiction Research Center of the U.S. Public Health Service Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky. And Lexington was ostensibly a place where heroin addicts could go shake a habit. I think this is what you're talking about. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And although they were officially a penitentiary, all of the inmates, okay, yeah. Yep, it's saying a very similar thing. <clears throat> yeah, I think now, I think that facility now is a VA hospital, I think is what I was getting at. Yeah. Of East Town Road, on, basically, I think just because it was set up like that from its inception, but like it is very, it's very spooky over there. <laughs> I will say that that whole, the whole grounds of that place is, uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> I've read a couple of books on MK Ultra, and of course, there were doctors and there were sort of hot spots in different places like California, you know certain places where they know that for decades they were working on this MK ultra stuff. And I guess Lexington, Kentucky was one of them. Would yeah, not that, surprise me. Well, that would track. I was telling Terrence this one day and I won't say his name, but a friend of mine's father uh, claims to have been uh, plucked out of the air force when he joined up at right out of high school. Like he was like 17, 18 years old and uh, was, was part of MK ultra and he doesn't talk about it, but like he says, it didn't happen. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. And if it was happening in Lake Kentucky, that uh, to me that adds a little more veracity to to his claim, you know. Uh, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> like, 
Lexington is an extremely weird place, in my opinion. Um, and I think the reason why is it's 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 such a weird place. It's a mid-sized town where you know the all of the wealth from horse racing is and horse breeding is concentrated and bourbon and bourbon and it's where all the coal barons lived i mean it's it's just such a weird creepy um i don't know there's something about it it's just it's also like it's also like i said it's a mid-sized town so it's not under scrutiny as much as a bigger city would be yeah um, you know so like things can kind of fly under the radar there but there is also an an upper elite there um that I don't know, participate in all manner of, you know, debauched, you know, just deviant uh, behavior. I don't know if you're yeah. if you're going to bring up a bluegrass conspiracy later, we can definitely get into that because there's a lot Whoa. of almost eyes wide shut type shit going on. Yeah. with these people. Like, I think I was reading Blue, the bluegrass conspiracy, one of the best books I've ever read. Oh, it's excellent. Um, and the description of these parties they were having just boggled the mind yeah you're like you're you're right it sounds like quasi eyes wide shut but maybe a little bit more you know not quite as spooky maybe but like all getting there right yeah one of the big socialites was this woman named anita madden um she had married into this family that owned the uh hamburg estate um she was from ashland by the way Oh, there's a fucking Ashland connection. Uh, Madden, Madden's a very Wood County name. That makes sense. Yeah, um, and she would throw these big, you know, these yeah eyes wide shut type parties. She was rumored to be the lover of Melanie Flynn, who is um, a centerpiece in the Bluegrass Conspiracy. That book, the book is by uh, Sally Ditton. I think is, is that Larry Flynn's, the founder of Hustler Magazine. No. Is he from Kentucky? Yeah, he's from Kentucky. Yeah, he's from Kentucky. No shit. Well, yeah, yeah, he's from uh, McGoffin County. Melanie Flynn was the daughter of a state senator at the time, and um, she was like right in the middle of all this, you know. Um, well, yeah, I think a lot of people know the. I think in the popular imagination, like the blue, the all the events surrounding the bluegrass conspiracy are probably best referenced by that like viral meme that was going around a few years about go about like the cocaine bear remember that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah 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 um where yeah this this guy was <laughs> smuggling cocaine into the u.s dropped several tons of it in uh the forest in georgia i don't know if it's tons but it was like you know kilograms or some shit and uh a bear like overdosed on it and had a heart attack um but uh What's that look for, Tom? Can I just pause? And I, said, I, I, I don't want to, Jim, I'm going to create an editing nightmare for you, but I just saw this and I feel like I got pointed out. Uh, so you know how like Larry Flint got shot? I, I, just, I don't know. I, I was just trying to see if Larry. Well, if, I was actually going to bring that up too. Yeah. Go <laughs> Did ahead. you see this? Did you see this in the Wikipedia? Freaking, freaking, freaking. In Lawrenceville where Larry Flint got sniped. Damn. No shit. And it's like this, it's a tiny, it's a tiny courthouse. Yeah. So it's just like, if you, you know, go and see it, like, yeah, he was just there on some pornography, you know, charge and he was defending himself. And then some like 
serial killer slash hitman snipes him. It's it was insane. The same guy that shot Vernon Jordan, who was like a, a Clinton advisor. Yeah. <laughs> so doesn't exactly sound like a serial killer. Sounds like a hitman, right? Right. So check check this out. Let me just this and again, this is take this for what you will, because this is off the cuff and on, you know, just from the Wikipedia. Franklin, a military uh, militant white supremacist, Paul Franklin was the guy that shot him and shot Vernon Jordan. A militant white supremacist and serial killer also shot Vernon Jordan. Black Jewish pulling a killing from 77 to 80. Violent post of miscegenation. He confessed to the shootings many years later, claiming he was outraged by an interracial photo shoot in Hustler. About Flint and the Hustler pictorial, he stated, I saw that interracial couple having sex and it just made me sick. I threw the magazine down. I thought, I'm going to kill that guy. Uh, Flint himself suspected the attack was part of a larger conspiracy involving ultra-right elements surrounding Congressman Larry McDonald, also behind the Karen Silkwood case with ties to the intelligence community and that Franklin may have been a subject to MK ultra style mind control. Holy <laughs> fuck. Was Larry McDonald, the guy that the Soviets shot down? I thought, uh, um, yes, he was until he was killed while a passenger on board Korean airlines flight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. He yeah almost he went to nuclear war over that. <laughs> yeah. And this Karen Silkwood case, I don't know. I don't know anything about Karen Silkwood was an American chemical technician and labor union activist known for raising concerns about corporate practices related to health and safety near nuclear facilities. Yeah, I could have sworn McDonald was somehow involved in Iran Contra. I know he was like a John Bircher. Um, he was on the American Security Council. Uh, wow, that's fucking crazy, though, Tom. That's that is a and that's just a nexus of various <laughs> and th- that and that was just like that was just like a I don't even th- I think the the socialite's name was Flynn not Flint and I just that's <laughs> weird yeah, anyway yeah yeah sorry for that detour but anyway. no it's a good detour I I had no idea the um well the the centerpiece of the well uh, the central guy in the bluegrass conspiracy theories this guy named Andrew Thornton the second. That's um, right. Or Andrew Thornton the third. The third, yeah. He yeah. would um he would refer to himself as Act Act Three, I guess. <laughs> because that was his that was his initials, ACT three like three or whatever. Yeah, he sounds absolutely insane. Just he was one of those guys like in Boogie Nights where you're doing like so much cocaine that you think doing karate is real. <laughs> except he actually probably was because he was a paratrooper so like he probably did know how to kill people oh he was he 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 was involved he was a member of the invading forces that quashed an insurgency against the ruling dictatorship of the dominican republic in the mid 60s like he was um yeah i mean he also told his wife betty Zar- zaring that he'd been recruited by the cia and that being a cop was just a cover. He eventually joined the Lexington Police Department. So everything in the Bluegrass Conspiracy centers on the Lexington Police Department. Um, and one of the great things about that book is that she like talks about how this was all made possible <clears throat> by the horse racing scene there. 
and how all these rich people would go congregate in Lexington and they loved fucking cocaine. You know, like this wasn't this was no longer just like college kids smoking pot like on UK campus. This was like the richest of the rich congregating in Lexington and just getting zooted up. And this when a lot That's of right. fucking money and guns were involved. Someone's um, described Lexing- Lexington to me, or maybe I read it as having very close ties to Las Vegas. And that includes like organized crime. I absolutely well, they, call it, they call it Lex Vegas colloquially. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, the uh, Drew Thornton was really good friends with this guy named Bill Kanan, um, who was a officer on the Lexington PD. Um, Drew Thornton himself was a child of privilege. Like he had been raised on a horse farm. Um, and so he was a blue blood. Like he was, his family was in tight with all these people like the Maddens. Let me, let me ask you guys. Cause he grew up in Lexington. He went to Sayre school and he went to the Iroquois polo club. And I guess he went to Swanee military Academy. So do you guys know any people like real, do you guys know like a, any blue bloods that are kind of like that? Uh, I know a girl who went to Sayre School whose dad owns Clear Channel Communications, the radio network. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. He stayed the girl, not the yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. That is crazy. Yeah, so he was like blue, blue blood. He was. Um, but like this guy, Bill Kanan, was not. He was kind of a more of a working class guy but he was on lexington pd as well this guy is important bill canaan because he is like one of the suspects in the disappearance of melanie flynn you can find all kinds of like true crime podcasts about melanie flynn i think um she because it's a big unsolved mystery in kentucky history she disappeared in 1977 there's the, the case has never been solved a lexington police department detective claimed erroneously that he found her living in florida and he just closed the case but it wasn't her i mean the whole fucking thing is though <laughs> he's like well we found her she's in florida nothing else to see here case yeah. closed no the family cannot talk to her yeah one of the <laughs> but but she had an affair she was having an affair with this guy bill canaan an aside that sally didn't puts in the bill bluegrass conspiracy book but doesn't explore it which is a real shame but she has one sentence about Bill Kanan because he was a, a Marine in Vietnam and also claimed that he had CIA ties. But she says that Bill Kanan had developed an interest in mind control by the time he met Melanie Flynn. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. She doesn't explain it. <laughs> it's a fucking shame. And, you know, the CIA was in the practice of embedding CIA people in uh, police departments like the big ones like Chicago, New York, uh, LAPD. Right. But it would make sense that there would probably be maybe more than one in Lexington, given the uh, accumulation of wealth there, right? Absolutely. Um, And as a, even, you know, another detour, a narcotics officer with, Thornton and Bill Cannon at the time, he eventually became assistant deputy chief, I think, or, you know, deputy chief of the Lexington PD was this guy named Frank Fryman. Um, this is a, you know, in my own research, I found this guy, Frank Fry- Fryman was 
eventually moved to Eastern Kentucky and became the head of something called the Mountain Area Drug Task Force, which was like a precursor to this thing called Operation Unite that I had just finished writing about. That's right. Um, And Frank Fryman, they've had to shut down this drug task force because it was a complete mess. Like so much evidence kept going missing, which is exactly what fucking kept happening with Thornton and this guy, uh, Bill Cannon. They were like good friends with this guy named Harold Brown, who was the head of the regional DEA here in Kentucky. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, all this evidence kept going missing, like weed and other things. And, you know, sure enough, this guy Thornton quits the uh, Lexington PD right before Melanie Flynn disappears and like resurfaces like a year later with this guy named Bradley Bryant as the head of this, you know, this, I don't even know what you would call it. They're called themselves, you know, crypto sort of cryptically the company, but Uh (laughs) yeah, anytime you hear that, (laughs) it's no good. (laughs) Um, But they were like a, the company, it, it was like a, uh, it was like a, a security, like private police force, basically. But they were also trafficking drugs with the this, you know, this brother duo, the Chagras, who were like drug smugglers <laughs> in the Southwest, who like iced a fucking judge in Texas. <laughs> like, um, like these dudes were they didn't fuck around hardcore. But then one of them basically got murdered. He did. The other one like went to prison what for like the rest of his life yeah jimmy lee's the one that got murdered he got fucking just uh he himself got iced and just bled out for like an hour and a half just with you know like suffocating on his own blood in a parking lot basically yeah they were like serious international traffickers and they just killed a federal judge and then probably the deep state or you know the cia just knocked him out it's like, okay, okay, you're getting a little messy over here. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, like, these guys, multiple times the DEA, like, declined to go after, like, Thornton and, you know, Bradley Bryant, like, after they had, you know, all kinds of reasons to. I don't know. They're, they're, when you get into this, it becomes obvious that there's, like, there are, like, Serpico-type cops in these agencies that are idiots, you know what I mean? Like, they think they're going to be able to bring this whole thing out, and then they... um I like Amazon did a I was listening to them talk about it on subliminal jihad, but I've not actually watched it. Amazon did a whole um, series about um, what was it like? Uh, did you guys did you guys the uh, was it the last narco or something? I think that might or what have been was it, it called? I something think that, like that. Yeah. And that's the thing. Amazon didn't do it. I mean, I'm not trying to correct you, but like they got the rights and they released it but right. they didn't, weren't involved in making it and i guess they were not very happy about it is what <laughs> i've heard yeah everyone was like wow this is refreshingly realistic for amazon right right right, right. <laughs> yeah what's it called i think that is i can't the remember last the- narc i think because ah. that's the one where they cover in broad strokes the dea agent in mexico who got yes. to- tortured basically yes. by the cia Yes, exactly. That's the exact one. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy was kind of like what kind of what I'm talking about. He was kind of like a Serpico type. And, and the Bluegrass Conspiracy book has a Serpico type cop, too. But um, his name is Ralph Ross. And, and she, you know, in the narrative structure, kind of puts him against um, Thornton. Um, 
but he is kind of sus too because he had all kinds of CIA ties as well. But he yeah. worked for the Kentucky Kentucky State Police, like investigating the Melanie Flynn disappearance. And uh, if if you read with a critical eye, uh, like, and you read about that guy, he was basically just doing illegal wiretapping. <laughs> Which is like, I suppose that's better than trafficking cocaine. Right. But not by that much. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but so, the, or go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I completely agree. Like Andrew Thornton, the third complete insane, like cop. And obviously if you get to the point where you're jumping out of a Cessna and dying with 40 kilos of cocaine you land on some guy's driveway like you completely blow open the operation right that kind of evidence yeah <laughs> and then a bear eats the coke i guess and becomes <laughs> but, a viral um, one thing that really stuck out to me when i was reading bluegrass conspiracy was andrew thornton the third owned a farm like a big ranch and this farm uh, had a horseshoe symbol with a devil's pitchfork as like the ranch logo. What the fuck? Now at this farm, neighbors kept reporting. They would hear gun gunshots like all day and they would get like through enough complaints. They got the ATF to go investigate. And what the ATF found was that they were basically running a paramilitary off the books training camp for like Libyans or Nicaraguans or probably a bunch a horse of farm. <laughs> yes. They call and the, the ranch was like called like the triad ranch or something. Oh, wow. And the ATF and like the supposed thing was that it was a training camp for survivalists, people who want to learn survivalist skills, but like all of these foreign nationals were being trained there with fully automatic weapons. <laughs> God. And and it doesn't stop there. This okay, you know Adnan Khashoggi, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> famous arms trafficker related to Khashoggi that got cut up right know, recently. He involved in like the Iron Contra stuff, right? Yes. Also, yeah. wasn't he a former owner of the late Jizz Line? I think so. Yeah, that Boat. same yeah. guy, Adnan yeah. Khashoggi, kept coming to Lexington. And he had a company there called Triad America Corporation, which is almost certainly tied to the Triad training camp that Thornton was running. You know, know, that kind of makes... Let me ask you this, because you know, like, (laughs) the Saudis and the Bahrainis and a bunch of, like, different, like, royals, like, in the Gulf states and stuff like that in the Middle East like are huge into horse racing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like that would be like an easy sort of front for some of that stuff. I'm not saying, I don't mean that to go to, uh, uh, you know, be indictment about the Muslim world writ large, but rather the just, you know, the ruling class. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like rich people right. everywhere seem to love horses. Right. Yeah. But yeah. like, it's so wild. If you watched like a big horse race, like they'll just go in there and say, and we just want to thank Mohammed bin Salman for like support. Like, you know, I'm like, 
like I watched the you know you watch the Kentucky I don't know if it's Kentucky Derby or like just some big horse race and they'll just like yeah we want to thank Muhammad bin Salman for like his continued support and da, 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 da. it's like the world's largest state sponsor of actual terrorism it's also <laughs> the world's largest sponsor of the horse racing industry. Well, what did uh, Hunter S. Thompson say? It was decadent and depraved, right? Yeah, that's, right. That's famous quote. That- that triad shit is some true like inherent vice golden fang shit it's like it's I, I mean it's like they put it right out there in the open you know but at the same time you have to scratch the surface just a little bit i don't know it's, it's let, let me crazy. let me tell you guys we are speculating here but let's see what the u.s senate committee on security and terrorism had to say about it okay <laughs> They asked, <clears throat> they asked Kentucky State Police and the FBI if the triad camp or ranch was a full-scale terrorism school. <laughs> if you're already having to ask the question, it's not a good sign, right? <laughs> they, they specifically asked, and I have a quote here, was it a training ground for third world police forces who were secretly supported by the CIA? <laughs> Would it explain why the company had escaped detection and apprehension for so long? Gee, I don't know, guys. What do you think? <laughs> huh. God, that's why I had never heard of any of that. So it's like, yeah, it's wild enough that Lexington PD was basically trafficking cocaine. Right. Internationally. But they were also probably training terrorists and or just death squads, right? And the riders of Justified really screwed the pooch, not including that, you know, <laughs> source material. <laughs> I know there was even more they could have done with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, just to kind of drive the point home, like what makes Kentucky and specifically Lexington so uh, amenable to this type of activity is like we were saying earlier, it becomes it, 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 First of all, it's the perfect climate and um, sort of topography, uh, whatever, latitudinal position for horse breeding and racing, which means that it becomes the playground of the elite. Um, And so uh, that means that like everybody has to be in on it to a certain extent. And like when you look at the bluegrass conspiracy stuff, like part of the reason why it went on for so long is because they had friends like high up in the administrations of like several Kentucky governors, like the son of former governor, happy Chandler was a friend of one of these, of these guys. Like, I think they had a friend, I think his, what was his Henry Vance? He was, he worked in governor Julian Carroll's office. I mean, like these people were constantly like, you know, giving cover for him, you know, pushing, you know, shooing the police away anytime they'd get too close. I mean, it was, I'd be interested to know if Julian Vance is any relation to, you know, the man of the hour. (laughs) That would be wild to find out. That would be. That would be pretty crazy. Henry Vance is his name. More and more every day, I'm more and more convinced that family history is just history. And if you know (laughs) who people are related to, you know who they are, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think so. I think you're right. Um, pretty pretty crazy though and and that's kentucky i mean there there is a whole and it talks about it in the book and that's another reason why that book is so great is because she talks about like some of the big kentucky families and thornton actually was kind of a 
nouveau riche like his family yeah was. Like they were blue bloods but they were kind of nouveau riche like in the kentucky aristocratic thing and she's actually got a great like kind of throwaway line where she's like ralph ross the guy that works for kentucky state police the the, the serpico type guy in her, in her sort of schematic um he says like he's got a line i can't it's been a couple couple years since i've read the book but he says something like he thought that um like the Anglo-Saxon or um, the Scots-Irish of Kentucky had kind of breeded with the Anglo-Saxon, like rich people that come in to enjoy Kentucky and created like this entirely new kind of like <laughs> Kentucky, you know, ethnic whites that was specifically, you know what I mean? It's just kind of an interesting of course, I don't buy into it at all, but I think it's just a funny way to look at it in the sense that like what he's getting at is like, this is kind of new in in America's aristocratic thing. Um, and you've got like if you look at a state like compare Kentucky to a state like Mississippi or Alabama, you don't have the same dynamics because there's nothing in Mississippi or Alabama that the that the rich and this nation's rich are flocking to. You know what I mean? To uh, enjoy well, necessarily. No, I, maybe like, the beaches. I don't know. I completely agree with you. And it sounds dangerously like race science, except it's all cultural. Totally. Because like the wasps and the Scotch Irish, the Scotch Irish are like almost dangerously violent. You could almost say, and the wasps are like like tricky and good with money. Like, right. It's like <laughs> right. Yeah. So you combine Stu in Kentucky, and you get like a hefty dose of like weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so interesting. Oh man. Well, it's a good book. I recommend it pretty good (laughs) so here's a question guys we pretty much covered a lot of stuff so what do you think should we call it good or well let's call it but one more thing you had mentioned in this Mm -hmm. you found something real crazy with regards to ufos what did you find (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) so get this the first person to ever die from a ufo contact that we know of was in kentucky damn (laughs) where was it at Okay, let me read you a little snippet here. January 7th, 1948. Air National Guard pilot Captain Captain Thomas Mantell crashes in Franklin, Kentucky, chasing a UFO over Fort Knox. He was a decorated World War II ace, and he was the first guy to go down. The cover story was that he was chasing the planet Venus accidentally. Then they changed the official story to be that he was chasing a weather balloon. He died because he ran out of oxygen at 30,000 feet, and he was the only one in his squadron who was trying to pursue it that high, trying to pursue what he described as an actual craft. What? His radio reports make it clear that he was in pursuit of a manned vehicle of some sort. And get this, the crash site of of our plane, (laughs) the... Crash site examination and all other records relating to this incident were covered up, and as of the time of this writing, I'm quoting from a book, have yet to be released. That was like, was 1948 the same year as Roswell? Or is that, it was one of those years now, it was very, they're very close. 47. 47. Yeah, (laughs) so right around that time of the first wave of UFO sightings. Jeez. And over Fort Knox. Over Fort Knox, yeah, the nation's largest gold reserves. <laughs> Wait, 
We didn't. We didn't even get to Francis Gary Powers. Oh yeah. Speaking of plane oh, crashes, who's yeah, from? Who's our, from our hometown? He's from our county. Yeah. There's a big. There's a. There's a big. Um, really. Statue yeah. of him in front of the courthouse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What, they've got a, okay. a big statue of him. <laughs> what there's is the statue? What does the statue say? <laughs> it's like it. it it's got like a, one of those Kentucky historical markers beside it, but it, it just says something like. Yeah, Francis Gary Powers, native to Jenkins, Kentucky, like shot down over the Soviet Union in his U-2 plane in like 19, was that 59 or something like that? It's like 60, yeah. It's like, not to sound like Donald Trump here, but under the traditional narrative, I'm not exactly sure that merits a statue. (laughs) Yeah. Right? No, you're right. It's an interesting choice, especially when you get into like symbols, you know what I mean? It's a big (laughs) L. It's a very big L. Unless... And I have read some stuff, but I can't speak, you know, at great length about it. But I've read some stuff that suggested that perhaps he either went down on purpose or was allowed to go down on purpose. Well, in the mm-hmm. six, like in the sixties, didn't he kind of die? Because like after that happened, he kind of got really heavily into alcohol abuse. You yeah, know what I mean? 70s, like, he, yeah, it says he died in seventy-seven in Los Angeles. I I think he um, in a helicopter. Crash. Oh, okay. Yeah, on the helicopter crash seventy-seven in Los Angeles. That's pretty. It ran oh, out of geez. fuel. And crashed near Encina. Dude, he was. You know, they marked helicopter crashes. Yeah, that's a. Uh, <laughs> uh, failed to, uh, Kobe Bryant. It failed apparently. Gary Francis Gary Powers, and also, let's see who else was with him on this. <laughs> this is. But- this is in the so this is what I was thinking of. Um, Powers initially received a cold reception on his return home. He was criticized for not activating his aircraft's self destruct charge to destroy the camera, photographic film, and related classified parts. He was also criticized for not using a CIA issued suicide pill to kill himself. I mean, that's the official narrative. So who the fuck knows? But I do think that's kind of funny. Like, you didn't kill yourself, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just. <laughs> Yeah, and then he die, and then he dies like uh, you know, just the, in the next decade from a helicopter crash. Interesting. I've heard theories that it was Alan Dulles trying to rat fuck Kennedy. Uh huh. That's a theory that I have heard, but I, I don't know for sure, right? But I've heard theories. <laughs> I mean, um, if if he didn't succeed with that one, he certainly succeeded a couple years later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh boy crazy um well damn i think we've we've pretty thoroughly examined uh, this this has been very thorough i think we've done a good job here good job jimmy yeah thank you very much thanks for man you guys really brought a lot to the table makes why kentucky is so sus and weird <laughs> make a lot more sense <laughs> from like a materialist understanding so yeah a plus no. Um, well, we appreciate it. Um, and uh, let's do it again sometime. We'll have to pick another state. Definitely, we can pick New Mexico. I'm from New that's Mexico. Right. There's that's a lot right. of fucking crazy shit in New Mexico. So. Oh, that's <laughs> we definitely should. Maybe the craziest. Yeah, truly. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. All right, we'll see, see you man. later. Well, I was working on my farm about 1982, pulling up some corn and a little carrot too. Flying aeroplanes about 100 feet high Dropped a bunch of bales of something And some hidden in the eye So I 
my surprise. Bunch of large size baggies, big white rocks inside. So I took a little sample of my crazy brother's dough. Sniffed it up and kicked his heels and Horton, that's some blow. Bales of cocaine falling from the flying plane. try my luck. I didn't have a notion if I could sell them there. Thirty minutes later, I was a millionaire. Bales of cocaine falling from the flying plane. I don't know who done dropped them, but I think I'm just saying. Bales of cocaine falling like pouring rain. My life changed completely by the low flying plane. Oh, that's watchable. Still a farmer too, but I sold my farm in Texas, bought a farm down in Peru, and when I get so homesick, I think I'm going insane. I travel back to Texas in a low flying plane. 